Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It is Pastor Paul. It is a Monday morning. Oh, don't even have to look. Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2022. So glad that you are here with us. We take 10 or 15 minutes every weekday morning to um, zero in on a portion of God's word to sort of let it propel us out into our weeks. And right now we are in the book of Romans. So we're preaching through Romans on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks. And then we kind of come behind that and talk about that week's sermon, maybe some different application points, point, uh, theological ideas or themes that we didn't really get to delve into as much as we wanted to. And one of the things that I mentioned this past Sunday, yesterday, um, in Romans chapter seven is how Paul uses the illustration of marriage to um, flesh out the nature of our relationship with the law. And to do that, Paul uses this illustration in Romans chapter seven about how everyone knows that as long as you are alive, you are not bound to the law, but once you die, obviously the law no longer applies to you. Um, case in point marriage, right? Marriage between a man and a woman um, that when one spouse dies, the other is free to remarry. And what I mentioned in passing in the sermon was that some people go to Romans chapter 7 to sort of build a theology of divorce and remarriage from that text. And they will take Paul's words to mean that um, unless you, if you are divorced, unless your spouse remarries, you are not free to remarry. You need to remain as you are or to be reconciled to your former spouse. And there are some that take a, a, pretty, a pretty strict line on that to say that, that remarriage is never allowable in the Bible, um, even when there has been a biblical divorce. And what I said in that message was, I don't agree with that. I don't think that reflects the, the totality of the scripture's teaching on divorce and remarriage, nor do I think that's even Paul's principal point. Paul is just making, uh, using marriage as an example to show, hey, listen, if a wife tries to marry somebody else while she's married to her husband, I mean, she's kind of like a bigamist. So that's, that's not gonna work. Um, he's just using this as a very obvious illustration of the point that we have to die to the law. And once we are die to the law, we're not bound to the law as a, as a means of, of law keeping to achieve righteousness. Well, I mentioned in the sermon as well that we were gonna come back this week and start to flesh that out a little bit um, related to this issue of divorce and remarriage. And I, um, I wanna start today by, by reading the passage that I referenced in my message on Sunday about the Sadducees coming up and asking Jesus about the woman who was married seven times. I wanna read that passage and, and then kind of use that as a, as, a, as a launching off point to begin to talk about this topic. So we're gonna be, be in several texts today, but Matthew 22, verse 23. It says, the same day Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection and they asked him a question saying, teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died and having no offspring left his wife to his brother. 
so to the second and third and down to the seventh and after them all the woman died in the resurrection therefore of the seven whose wife will she be for they all had her okay i called this woman in my sermon the black widow right seven husbands they all died who is she married to in heaven now jesus gives a response here that doesn't just tell us something about divorce and remarriage it tells us something actually about the meaning of marriage okay but jesus answered them you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of god for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like angels in heaven well that's an interesting response because paul um i'm sorry jesus seems to be saying here that that while marriage was a part of the creation ordinance okay it was the way man and woman were created genesis 2 24 for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother cleave to his wife the two will become one flesh that is the first mention of the of the institution of marriage in all of scripture and here we have jesus saying that while marriage was given in the pre sinful state in other words it was part of god's good creation righteous and good in heaven we will no longer be married and and, and one of the questions we have to ask is why why will there not be marriage in heaven and i think it's important to to, to hit on that question today because i think it's going to set a trajectory for the way that we understand um, the, the practical ways to apply the scriptures about divorce and remarriage moving forward. And, and so here, flip over for just a minute to Ephesians chapter 5. And here, Paul tells us an astounding thing about marriage, okay? Let me find my place here. Verse... 31 okay of chapter 5 of ephesians paul is quoting genesis 2 24 and i want you to hear what paul says therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two will become one flesh this mystery is profound and i'm saying that it refers to christ and the church now I think what Paul is saying here, he, he's not talking about marriage in Ephesians 5 and then wants to find a neat illustration to show what marriage is like. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll tell you something. Oh, Christ and the church, that's kind of like marriage. That's not what Paul says here. Paul says it's actually the other way around. The mystery is that marriage is patterned after the relationship that Christ has with his people, not vice versa. In other words, it's not that God created marriage and then down the line, Paul saw this neat illustration tie-in to the way that Christ loves his people and dies for his people. It's, it's quite the opposite. It seems that what Paul is saying is that the divine mystery is that marriage was created for the purpose of pointing to and showing us a living, breathing picture of this covenantal relationship between Jesus and his bride. 
And when we start to think about things in that sort of context, then we begin to get a vision to understand that, that everything that happens within the context of, of marriage that, that is sinful, um, all of it is a deviation from the design of God, not merely from the standpoint that, that God says, you know, let, let, what, what God has joined together, let, let no man separate. It's even more fundamental than that. It, it goes back to the basic design of the universe where God has given us this most important of all human relationships, the marriage relationships, to help us understand something about the nature of himself. And Paul says what that thing is, is Christ and the church. God has given us, there is Christ in the church. God has given us a picture of, or God has given us the institution of marriage to show us what that relationship, other relationship is like. Now, the reason I think I'm on good biblical grounds here to affirm this is going back to Matthew 22, which we just read, when they ask who in heaven will this woman be married to? And Jesus says something very interesting. In heaven, they will be like the angels. They will, ne ne they will not be given or received in marriage. I think the answer to this question, why isn't there marriage in heaven, is simply this we no longer will need it. See, God gave us marriage in this life to give us a picture of Christ in the church. Well, in heaven, we, the church, will be with our bridegroom, Jesus. The bride will be with our husband. We will see Jesus face to face. We will relate to him. Um, we won't need a parable of marriage or a picture of marriage we will be the picture we will be the reality we will be living the reality in relationship to jesus christ and so because of that i think this tells us all sorts of things moving forward and let me just give you one or two examples and then we'll continue to unpack this this week when we think about the idea of polygamy um, there is no question that in the Old Testament, we see numerous examples of polygamy, sometimes God's loyal, faithful servants having multiple wives. And we wonder about that and wonder, is this a sanction of polygamy um, by God? And the, re the answer is no, for, for several reasons. Okay, One answer um, on the surface is that every time polygamy is mentioned in the Bible, it's never condoned, it's never sanctioned, but it's always revealed to be incredibly problematic for the people involved. We think about this, whether it's Jacob and Leah and, and Rachel, we think about Abraham um, with Sarah and, and, and Hagar, even though Hagar technically wasn't his wife, you, you get what I'm saying. There, there, it's, there's many examples in Genesis where it talks about the, the, the you know the right the 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 people of god intermarrying with the women um who did not know god and how they are coming together and you know the progeny is having multiple wives and it's all put in this negative context so one just on the very surface we can say the bible never condones it the bible never commands it 
um, the Bible only regulates it for that particular time and place. Secondly, it's very clear, is it not, from Genesis 24, what the original design for marriage was. One man and one woman. And it was not until sin entered the world that we have all of these uh, deviant forms of sexuality and marital relationships. And we see Jesus getting us back to this point. It's interesting when they ask Jesus about marriage, he doesn't point back to Abraham. He doesn't point back to Jacob or Isaac. He points back to Adam, right? That's because, I think, Jesus is recognizing this was God's original design. So I think that's kind of a, another layer of what we can say in regards to this issue of polygamy. But I think the foundational right issue related to polygamy is that Christ can't have more than one bride. Marriage was given to be a picture of Christ and the church. Thus, the whole idea of multiple wives, uh, multiple spouses, um, is an adulterous theological concept when it comes to being married to one person, one savior, and that is Jesus. And so I think when we begin to think about these things on a deeper level, okay, and kind of get to the bottom, the core, the heart of what marriage is, which is a picture of Christ in the church, that covenantal relationship, we can then come to understand, I think a little better, what the Bible says and doesn't say about divorce and remarriage. Now, let me leave you with this last, last thought. All divorce um, is a result of sin, but not all divorces are sinful. And we're gonna jump onto that idea when we come back tomorrow. So let's pray. Lord, we want, during this, these next few days of opening your word to get a clearer and clearer picture of your design for marriage, not simply for the sake of having good marriages and modeling good marriages, but for the sake of presenting to the world a picture of Jesus and his people. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for joining us.